Good morning, Maranatha. Happy New Year. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and I pray that as we have this first Sunday sermon of a brand new year, we will hear and heed, give heed to what the Spirit of God is saying by the Word of God. Amen. And through this servant of God today, I humble myself before the Lord. I I ask the, the Lord of the harvest, the Holy Spirit, I ask Him to speak to me that He might speak through me, to open the Scriptures to me and open my understanding that I might rightfully divide the Word of God. We need this lamp unto our feet. In this sin-darkened time, this perilous time, this end time, marked by deception like no other time in human history or biblical history. Oh, friend, the devil's working overtime. (laughs) Amen. And God is working mightily in our day. I believe the world about us is ripe for revival. And I want to bring a sermon this morning. And the title of the sermon is Unhappy New Year. Now, that's not concerning you or I. If you're truly born again and you are a genuine child of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. But to the world about us and to uh, every person that is outside the, the, the blessing of the kingdom of God, Unhappy. Happy New Year. I base this sermon title on an assessment made by USA Today, December 18th, 2022, this Christmas season just over. And the headline is Unhappy New Year. And it says, for this purpose, because a poll finds Americans wary of the nation's course its leaders, and its future beyond 2023. You know, this is fulfilling the prophecies and the scriptures of the end times when the disciples asked Jesus, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And he said, there shall be distress of nations with perplexity. That means puzzlement. That means all the great thinkers, all the great planners, all the the highly educated, and all those who are supposed to be able to figure it all out and find solutions, they won't be able to figure it out. Distress of nations with perplexity and men's hearts failing them for fear, looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. All of this will come to its climax in the midst of the tribulation, the great tribulation. But this is the beginning of that that will come to its head in during the tribulation period. We're already entering in. And this poll of not just Christians, but people all over the world, and in particular America, they're wary of our nation's course, its leaders, and its future beyond 2023. People are becoming hopeless, dear friend, because they're feeling helpless, and they're not finding in in the community of man 
they're not finding someone with the solution and someone with the answer. So, to those outside the kingdom of God, unhappy new year ahead. And for us who are in the kingdom of God as believers, as Christians, a happy new year for us is contingent upon successful intercession for ourselves, for our families, for our friends and acquaintances, for our our political leaders, for our spiritual leaders, who many are falling. We need to be able to pray effectively and trust that the God who hears and promises to answer us, if certain conditions are met, amen, is going to actually come with healing in His wings. And that brings me to a scripture that's not just how to pray for our nation or a nation as it was for the nation of Israel and our nation today, but the principles of effective intercession is here in Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. It says, If my people, very familiar, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. This portion of Scripture is probably most quoted as a prayer for the nation Scripture, and it absolutely is true. But within this great verse, there are four conditions that must be met and three promised blessings if they are met. And this is principles concerning all intercession, not just for national things, but personal things and global things. Amen. Within this verse, let's begin by examining the four conditions, which I call the four imperatives of successful intercession. I'll tell you, if we can intercede effectively, God is going to move mightily. For the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. One translation said, is mighty and powerful in its working. Hallelujah. If my people, first imperative is the imperative of relationship. My people, my people the people who have a covenant with God, people who are in a right relationship with God. Moffat's translation, an old but accurate translation, said, If my people who belong to me, God speaks of you and I as New Testament believers, possessively, amen, and personally. There's a great privilege of being His people, His sheep and the people of His hand having God as our King and Shepherd, and our very Father places each of us in a highly privileged position, a relationship that ensures great power in prayer. Someone said something, and I I, I, I just pinned this some years ago underneath this scripture here uh, to pray for the nation. I'm going to read this again going into this new year, because I believe it was anointed. And I pinned, we are more concerned many times about personal survival than national revival. And our prayers, therefore, are far too narrow. 
Scripture said in the book of James, You have not because you ask not, and you ask and receive not because you ask amiss to consume it on yourself or your own selfish lust. Sometimes we put our needs before the needs of the lost. We put our needs before the needs of people who are on their way to hell, who are children of the darkness, and the God of this world has blinded them that they cannot see what we see. They have do not hold the hope that we have. And sometimes we're praying for lesser things of less importance. And it's not that God's not concerned about those things in our life. He just wants us to be concerned about His chief concerns. And He is in the business of saving and redeeming the lost. That's why Jesus came into the world to redeem the sinners, to redeem those who are locked in to Satan's prison house, to set the captive free and set at liberty those that are bruised, and to open the eyes, restore sight to the blinded eyes. Amen. This portion of Scripture has this imperative to begin with, that we acknowledge we are His people. And we call Him, in the New Covenant in particular, Abba, Father. We begin any prayer and every prayer with our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. And then we pray according to the will of God, that we may have confidence in the prayer that we are praying. Amen. For this is our confidence, the Scripture said, if we ask anything, According to His will, He heareth us, and we know He hears us. We know we have the petition we desired of Him. When we pray for the lost, we pray for people who don't know Christ. We pray for people that are spiritually blinded and bound by the devil. When we pray for them, we pray according to the will of God. For it's not His will, the Scriptures declare. It's not His will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So this imperative of relationship is important because of God's covenant with Abraham. The nation of Israel enjoyed a special personal relationship with God. According to Deuteronomy 4 and 7, it said, for what nation is there? Look at, look at the, the correlation between the relationship with God and the answered prayers from God. It said, For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for? Amen. It's how they they prayed because of the covenant they had with Him and how He answered that proved how nigh He was to them. Now, I'm Pentecostal from head to foot, and I love to enter into the very presence of God. But I acknowledge His presence with me by faith in His promise to be with me and to never leave me and never forsake me, even when I don't see and I don't feel. The fact is the same. God is for us, and God is with us. Praise God. Amen. 
What nation is there? Not just national Israel, but what a nation being peoples? What people of the earth is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all that we call upon Him for? This is effective intercession. This is praying bringing a petition, interceding, and seeing God intervene and experiencing His interventions. That's why the Bible said in Hebrews 10 in the New Covenant, but you have neither patience or persistence in that sense, perseverance, that after you've done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. We're not talking about the second coming, nor the secret coming, the rapture. We're talking about God manifesting the answer. A God so near us. Amen. If God was near them under that covenant in that way, look what we have in the new covenant. For the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the blood of bulls and goats. Praise God. Amen. This is a better covenant based on the blood of Jesus. Amen. And it's based on better promises. If they had God in that kind of relationship, we should have Him that in that kind and much, much more. Because they couldn't really call Him in intimacy, Abba, Father, as we are told we can do. And when we do, the Holy Spirit Himself, the Spirit of truth, bears witness to that truth and that spiritual reality in our life. So God speaks of ancient Israel into us uh, in a particular way in Isaiah 43 and verse 1. Very possessively. Verse 40, chapter 43 of Isaiah verse 1. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. And the result of that kind of of relationship to God and with God, where He acknowledges us as belonging to Him. It says, When thou passest through the waters, verse 2, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am thy God. You see, we're His people, and He is our God. And in the new covenant, He's our heavenly Father. Hallelujah. I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Hallelujah. We belong to God. We are His people. And He is our God. That's why He calls us to sanctification and holiness in the new covenant. Come out from among them. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. <laughs> Amen. And, and, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Praise God. Come, come to that place in your life where we recognize that we have a relationship with God. 
and if we will get make sure that we are right with God. You see, it's it's one thing to have a relationship. It's another thing to be in fellowship. God calls us both to that relationship through the blood of Jesus and fellowship through the washing of water by the word that we may walk in the light as he is in the light. So the blood of Christ can have a continual effect in our life. Amen. To clean us up and keep us clean. If my people call by my name, we're the people with the power. Make no mistake about it. The devil has some power, but we have been delegated by Christ himself, who said, I have all power in heaven and earth. And behold, if you're from the south like me, look at him. Amen. <laughs> Do you have on your shouting shoes today? I know it's bleak. The world don't see what we're supposed to be seeing. They they see a hopeless end. We see an endless hope. And that endless hope is about to begin when Christ comes. Before this old world blows itself up or implodes, Jesus is going to step out on eternity. A trumpet is going to sound and he's going to descend with a shout and the voice of an archangel. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ are going to be raised and we which are living and remain will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, ever to be with the Lord. This hope is ours, and this is a hope the world simply doesn't have. They're going to have a very unhappy new year, verified by the polls. We should be the happiest people on the planet. No, not happy with the conditions of the world, but happy that in spite of those conditions, God still loves the world enough that he gave his son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. When we intercede for the lost, it is according to the will of God, and he heareth us. Praise God. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, humble themselves. The second imperative is the imperative of humble dependency. This is an expression of faith in prayer marked by humility. You know, Scripture is very clear. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due season. So to those, those proud kings of Judah that needed to repent and humble themselves so they could pray and believe God for, for restoration. Listen, in Second Chronicles 34 and verse 27, it says, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humbleth thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Ah, oh, the key to answer prayer is not just, just when the answer comes. It's knowing that God has heard us. That He has, He, we have prayed the kind of prayer that God says, I'm going to give heed because they give heed to my word and humble themselves. I'm going to give heed to their prayer when they pray it in faith. 
You see, prayer that prevails is more a matter of the heart than the head. James 4, 6 says, as I've quoted already, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So if my people, we have the power, we have the authority, we have the privilege and the responsibility to intercede. And if we do that and humble ourselves and seek my face, this imperative of seeking God, not just his favor, we need his favor. There's a song called The Blessing that's going around the world to many countries and people are crying out for the Aaronic blessing or God's blessing that was pronounced through Aaron to Israel. Oh, how we need that blessing in every nation of the world, particularly during the height of COVID. This whole thing is not over. The the threat of nuclear uh, exchange, the threat of famine because of all the disruptive things that have occurred as a result of COVID. Nations that are suffering terribly. Oh, friend of mine, we need God's blessing. We need God's favor. But he says to get my favor, seek my face. One translation says, seek him, seek his very presence. Psalm 63, 1 says it well. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. Oh, listen, everybody has needs, and certainly we we want God to meet our needs and to come through and help us. But it doesn't begin with that. That's the result of this. If you need healing, I would suggest you seek the great physician. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you need deliverance, seek the great deliverer. If you need counsel, seek the wonderful counselor. <laughs> Glory be to God. Amen. Listen. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Listen, seeking God to many seems to be a lost art. A task too costly to pursue seriously. But I believe we need to get very serious about seeking God. Because the need is serious. It's time the church, the real church, the true church, the real children of God, amen, get serious about seeking God. And the Bible said we don't just seek Him until we're done. We seek Him till He comes. Amen. Once we set ourselves to seek the Lord in intercessory prayer, to seek His face and therefore obtain His favor. Oh, friend of mine, the Scripture says, Seek the Lord while He may be found and call upon Him while He is near. Didn't the Bible say what nation is like that nation that's in covenant with Him, that has a God so near them in all that they call upon Him for? Praise God. Amen. Let's call upon Him while He is near and while He is here with us and while He's at work in our world today. 
Praise God. Amos chapter 5 and verse 4 says, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek me, and you shall live. And in verse 6, Seek the Lord, and you shall live, lest he break out in fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. When God moves in corrective judgments, there has to be someone that can intercede, that will stand in the gap, that will make up the hedge. And that's what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be doing today. Amen. In behalf of our nation and behalf of the nations of the world, in behalf of our family members that are lost, in our loved ones and acquaintances. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And that's the imperative of repentance. Psalm chapter 24 and verse 3 says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This, he says, is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, Jacob. Selah. Amen. O Jacob, Selah. Amen. Could this be, could this become, could we hear His heart, His word, and begin to seek Him till He come and rain righteousness on us? Praise God. Amen. Could we be a generation of people that seek Him and seek His face and turn from our wicked way and repent of our sin? I love Psalm 51. When David has repented of his sin, he talked about it in Psalm 32 earlier. When he said, Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. That man is happy to be envied. That's why we're going to have a happy new year if we take these principles to our heart and we begin to apply them to our life. Amen. We can't help but have a happy new year because we're going to have God's help this year no matter what happens during the year. We're kept by the power of God until the very day of salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen. Psalm 51, David cries for cleansing. In Psalm 32, he asks for forgiveness. He said, when I held my peace, my moisture was turned to drought. My bones waxed old with roaring all day long. All but when he cried out to God in true repentance, amen, he found that wonderful spiritual rain, hallelujah, that quenched his thirst for God's presence. And he saw once again God's power and God's favor in his life. He saw restoration because of his personal repentance. Let's finish Psalm 51. Let's read some more of it. He goes on to say this cry for cleansing 
this full repentance is always going to involve a cry for cleansing. Create in me a clean heart. Who shall, who shall ascend in, and stand in his holy place and his holy hill? He that hath clean hands, clean heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. A pure heart. That's who can stand and intercede effectively. And that's why David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then, look what happens. Look what happens. Not only can he pray in intercession for others, his own life and testimony stands as a testimony to them of the power of repentance and the power of restoration when we do. Praise God. Amen. Then, he says, sinners shall be converted unto thee, and transgressors will learn thy ways. And then, because of implementing these principles in intercessory prayer, hallelujah, we have the promise of God. He says, then will I hear, number one, from heaven. If we know that he hears us, the scripture says in the new covenant, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will. When you pray for someone that's lost, when I pray for someone who is lost, the Scripture is clear. It's not His will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Praise God. Amen. We do what? What's next? We know He hears us. He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of Him. He said, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. Amen. Here's true repentance occurring in hearts and lives. And I will heal their land. I will hear, I will forgive, and I will heal. Praise God. What a promise from God today. Do you think too hard for God? That's the question asked of the prophet in the Old Covenant. Is there anything too hard for God? Actually, he says it this way, and I've heard it in monotone. I couldn't possibly read it or say it in monotones. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power, and nothing's too hard for thee. That's the word of God verbatim. But I believe it should be said like this. Ah, Lord God. Amen. You're that great. You're so mighty. Ah, Lord God. You've made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched hands. And there's nothing there for. Nothing too hard for you. The devil knows that. He well knows that. So he works on us over time. Because if we tap in to this powerful prayer, answering God with which nothing is impossible. <laughs> Amen. Oh, friend of mine, we're going to see 
the devil hath to turn loose of prisoners, that he is held in chains of darkness. No chains are going to be broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of God. Amen. There is no hopeless cases. There is no one in this listening audience that cannot be saved. If you will come to Jesus humbly, repenting of your sin, amen, He will gladly forgive your sin. God will pardon you, amen, (laughs) hallelujah. He will set you free from Satan's prison house of darkness. He'll actually translate you out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, into this kingdom of love and light today. Christians, it's time that we begin to seek the Lord till He come. Amen. To set ourselves to seek God, to stand in intercession, to pray without ceasing. Amen. And we'll see God move this coming year. And we'll see a last day harvest swept in before the door of the ark is closed. We will see the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord in our land. Everyone's not going to be saved. Evil men and seducers will continue to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But there can be a harvest just before the coming of Jesus. And we can be laborers in the fields beginning with effective intercession. We're in a relationship with God of sons and daughters. We have a privilege and power. We can humble ourselves and pray in faith. We can seek His face and we can repent of sins of omission and commission that would interrupt our fellowship with Him, that would grieve the Holy Spirit or even quench the Holy Spirit. Oh, friend of mine, and we can stand like Moses with our hands raised in prayer and see the battle won. For the glory of God, for the sake of the lost and dying and damned, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, let's let this be a year of effective intercession for the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, woman, boy, or girl, availeth much is mighty and powerful in its working. If you don't know Jesus, come to Him. Run to Him. Don't run from Him. We've been praying for you. Oh, you don't know me. Don't have to know you. I've been praying for this listening audience that God would touch you and that you would hear His voice. You would hear His knock upon your heart's door. And you would come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior.